The following is presented to you in around sound. It was recorded with whatever was lying around. Lady, don't take no shit. Insist on respect the sister. Walk around like a woman. She won't speak less of something worse. Singing, don't play. The girl take herself so seriously. People stare curiously. She got a natural way. Her hips sway furiously. Yeah, the luxuriously. Hey, this is Lady Don't Take No, your weekly roundup of all of the real and none of the fake. I'm your host, Alicia Garza. This show is pro-black, pro-queer, proudly feminist, and pro-do-what-you-like. Every week, you're going to get the best of what goes on in my head, what we loving on, and what we hating on, what we might be, and what we ain't going to do. Politics, pop culture, a Marion variant, crip walking all over the country, we cover it all. This podcast is based in Oakland, California, the center of the known universe, where we are dealing with Rona and reconstruction. It's a challenging time, a changing time, a time of transformation. It's all the things all the time nowadays, but we are going to help you understand the dynamics of this time every single week. So be sure to tune in, tell a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We do it for the culture, so the pod is free 99, because we know that with a country in chaos, the least we could do is keep you from putting your money anywhere else than where it's needed. Our guest this week is a dedicated public servant a nurse, and a fierce organizer. Just last week, I mentioned her on this very podcast because she is running for California State Assembly District 20. Seriously, she's a powerhouse who knows how to get things done. And as we leave 2021 far behind, honey, because good Lord have mercy, I really wanted to talk to someone who can get me fired up about 2022. And that someone is Jennifer Esteen. Welcome, Jennifer. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you so much for having me, Alicia. This is super exciting. It's so good to have you on the pod today. Thank you so much for taking the time. And let's jump in. I mean, I talked about how Omarion is crip walking all over the country. Mm-hmm. Yes, people, I know it's called Omicron or whatever the fuck, but we are calling it Omarion because that's how Black people do. So I had to ask you. And because the memes are the best. They're, they're the best. I mean, that's just basically what it is. I mean, look. The president said there's no shutdowns coming, but like I said, Rona's cousins are crip walking all over the country. And so this is an appropriate question to ask you, which is what is your quarantine life looking like right now? Oh, my God. (laughs) We're going back in the lockdown in my household. It's super sad to me. We don't know if we're going to do Christmas with the family like we thought we would because uh, my nephew is coughing, which... Mm. Could be because he left the heat on and went to mm-hmm. sleep. That, that, or that happens. That happens. Or it could be because maybe he was exposed. It's mm-hmm. hard to say. And, you know, I'm I'm doing all kinds of things with my campaign and meeting with campaign staff. And I was like, yo, we're going to have to switch to Zoom. So yeah. my lockdown life is locked down. And being in the Bay, I feel happy with lockdown, honestly, because I feel safer with it. And in some cities, we're seeing that restaurants will not be open. Um, you know, they might be open for takeout, but really, I don't know if I want to be in a place 
full of people with no mask on. Mm-hmm. And everybody's eating, drinking, laughing. Ha, 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 ha. Uh-oh. You know? I heard that breath. I felt it, too. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Have you developed any unique habits live and direct for Miss Rona? Mm, unique habits. I mean, is it unique to wear a mask? Because I'll be wearing my mask. <laughs> In some places, child. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, what are my unique Rona habits? Like when we first started locking down, for example, mm-hmm. um, and everybody was like working from home, I had this thing, and I think it was like to manage anxiety where I could not start my day without putting lavender essential oils in a diffuser and like getting it pumping. Once that it. was happening, I felt great about the world, but I really could not get there unless I had my diffuser. Have you developed anything like that during this last almost damn two years of the pandemic? I, mine isn't as elegant as yours. I think, <laughs> you know, it's like wearing the same sweatpants three or four days in yeah, a row because nobody can tell. Mm-mm. And tipping tipping delivery drivers in cash because uh, too many of these uh, rideshare companies are stealing folks' money That's and right. people are struggling to make ends meet. So I'm just trying to help the working man out. When I, I can, that. I order direct from restaurants. And if we're lucky enough to get a delivery, then I give them cash. I really like that. Let's make that unique habit an ongoing habit for everybody. Mm-hmm. Are there any new skills that Miss Rona has given you? I mean, I remember when all this thing started, people were like going back to the basics and getting real DIY with it, right? So folks were doing sourdough starters and planting gardens. And I learned how to do my own nails, although, you know, <laughs> we still keep it fresh. Um <laughs> Give me the scoop. What are your pandemic skills? In case we're entering into the apocalypse yet again, I need to know what you bring into the table. So definitely some green thumb action has happened. Um, I was I was trying to figure out how to make plants thrive. And I think it's gotten good. I could still be better, but you know, I made like one loaf of bread. I'm not gonna lie. I <laughs> thought I was Betty Crocker, and then Sister just don't have the time to be in the kitchen like I want to. I, I totally love to cook and I haven't had enough chance. Those are the things that feel really important. Like you said, if it's the apocalypse, what are we going to do to stay alive? Okay. We got to eat. <laughs> you know, I would love to be more handy. Just uh, build my own little safety shack. Oh, I like that. I yeah. like that. Safety shack. Not a she shed, but a safety no, shack. A okay. safety shack. I'm with that. I'm with that. <laughs> so let me ask you this. I mean, you are from Louisiana and you told me that you like to cook. And so, of course, I got to know what your signature dish is. Oh, the signature. I mean, I like to make, I love seafood. Mm. I'm from New Orleans where seafood is fresh, fresh, fresh. And my favorite is shellfish, which is also like not kosher. And my little black juice self is like, well, we got to give something. We got to get something. So give me the shrimp. Give okay. me the crab. Yep. I love, the other day I made shrimp creole. It was actually the first time Ooh. it was hitting. I, I was know like, that okay, thing y'all. was slamming. It was, And the know. tomatoes came from the garden. So yes. you know, it was, it was on point. Poppin'. It was mm-hmm. popping. One thing that you and I do have in common, there are many, but one thing that you and I do have in common is being raised black and Jewish. And yeah. I know when people look at us, they'd be like, wait, how, when, where, how, sway? <laughs> I'd be like, this mm-hmm. is actually more common than you would think. Yes. For me, it happened because my mom, who was raised Baptist, married my stepdad, who was Jewish, and then she converted when they got married. It was a big Beautiful. deal. Mom was making matzo ball soup and shit. I was like, what is really going on? <laughs> right? 
That's great. It was a thing, but she could cook. So it was also popping. So even though I don't practice Judaism anymore, I was raised Jewish. How did this happen for you? That is an interesting and lovely question that is oftentimes proposed to people who are not white presenting Jews. (laughs) Just going to say it like, how many times have I been asked, how did you get to be Jewish? I was born. Um, (laughs) No shade. I took a breath. I took took my first breath. That was pretty much it. Yeah. So my dad, his people have origins from Czechoslovakia. They found their way to Chicago where he was born and then to Southern California. And, you know, they was just Jews. Mm -hmm. Uh, on the European side of things. And my mom and he married, fell in love, got married. Did I say that twice? Met, got married, the whole thing, whatever order it came in. And uh, yeah, next thing I knew it was me, my brother and my sister. And Mm -hmm. we were raised in the synagogue. And it was interesting because the synagogue where we grew up, it was a reform congregation, but everybody pretty much had money. Mm. And it was like, two sets of delineation. There was like the delineation around race, but there was also socioeconomic. And it's like feeling it, feeling Mm -hmm. it the whole time. And as a young person, I wasn't quite sure which one mattered the most, Mm. but it was always present. And I felt like it was the same way when I was an adult in Oakland at Temple Sinai, uh, where I was a member for 10 years. My oldest son had his bar mitzvah there. Mm. My youngest one was like, you're not going to make me have a bar mitzvah? Okay. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I was. I was like, no, come on now. Come on, go on. I do love a a party, but no, I I don't want the work. The best parties. The best. Actually, I have a really good friend. She was a party starter and she had a job starting parties at bar mitzvahs. I love that. That makes me so happy. So for people who are listening who don't know what a party starter is. (laughs) Well, the party starter brings the juice. Come on. She... She brought the dancing. She could salsa. She could do anything. Come through. And have everybody, you know, all those stiff little folks with no rhythm. She was like, come on, everybody dance. So the moms, the grandmas, all the the young celebrants, everybody gets to dance. And she was the one kicking it off. Oh, my God. And she did it for years into her adulthood. I love this. I actually need a new career as a party starter. Some Mm. people would call that an organizer, but these are useful, unique skills that I think I could really bring something to. So listen, you're running for California State Assembly, District 20. I am very, very excited to support you in this race. And And I'm grateful for that support. Thank you. Yes. And I I have said to people before, and we talked about this on the podcast last week, that it unfortunately is too rare these days that we find people who want to run for office, Mm -hmm. who have the politics, and also have a plan. I feel like one of the biggest criticisms I have of the progressive movement is that people now are kind of looking at electoral politics in a different way, which is a good thing. But we tend to look at it as an opportunity to make a statement or like, you know, have something to say without a plan to actually win and govern. Mm -hmm. And what I really like about you is you were like, oh, no, 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 I'm actually trying to win. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to just talk with us a little bit first about like how and why did you decide to throw your hat in? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, how I feel like it kind of came upon me. Like there was a moment where I saw some injustice. My clients were about to lose their housing and I spoke out. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. 
and it's not right, and took the fight to the street against, I, you know, I hate to use words like against, and it was a fight, but it was. We was throwing down in the front of the building, and my boss was the person who had informed us after the fact of the decision. So it got real. And one day we had a protest and the next morning I came to work and my computer was missing. Mm. And I was like, oh shit, mm. <laughs> what's going on here? Like, this is not Watergate. Why did y'all take my computer? But it was, it was high stakes. And, it, you know, in that moment, I was grateful to have a union and protection because whistleblowers do sometimes get the raw end of the deal. But also we won. We won that fight. My clients never lost their housing. The board of supervisors which is you know, one of the more powerful entities in every county in, San Fran- in the state of California, mm-hmm. made decisions to protect their housing. And it was in the moment of all of that that I realized things don't have to just be done to us. Mm-hmm. We can actually be the creators of the things that are done. And so that was my awakening. That was mm-hmm. the moment where I was like, okay, maybe something's happening here. And over time, I've taken on different leadership roles with my union, SCIU 10 to 1, as their vice president of organizing. I've taken on leadership role because the Board of Supervisors has appointed me to a couple. One is that I serve on the Municipal Advisory Council because I live in an unincorporated area, so there's mm-hmm. no city council. The other is that I serve on the Board of Trustees for the Alameda Health System, which is a billion-dollar health system with four hospitals and 300-plus sniff beds. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing work that I don't, I never foresaw. Like when I became a nurse, it was about patient care one at a time. And now it's about caring for the community with everyone in mind, you know, with tens of thousands of people being served in the health system, with 60,000 members in my union, and with another set of tens of thousands of people in my unincorporated area. So like I'm already in service, even though uh, I haven't necessarily been elected yet. So the thing that pushed me to run COVID, first and foremost, mm-hmm. the uprising last year, seeing uh, George Floyd with a knee on his neck, mm-hmm. all of that propelled me into, well, what's happening right now in the world? Why are things being done to us? Why is my community dying mm-hmm. in disproportionate numbers And who is in charge of this? And what are the policies that brought us to this place? So I decided now's the time to do more than just yell at the halls of power because, you know, being an organizer, that is one of the things we do. And sometimes the people inside the halls of power listen to us. Sometimes they pull the lever and vote our way, but sometimes they don't. And I got tired of those moments when they don't. When they say to you, I hear you, that's a good idea. You make real good sense. And then they turn around and they vote against our interests. So I decided that this was the moment I was going to drop the gauntlet and step up. Look, tell the people who are listening right now what's at stake in this race. Mm. And as you're telling us that, also tell us, you know, what's the field looking like and what distinguishes you from the other people who are running for this seat? I think everything's at stake. I mean, we're talking about a country where women may no longer have the right to choose what happens to their own bodies. And California is a state that leads the way. I moved to California because I felt like California was a land of promise and vision and opportunity. And we have a democratic supermajority 
in our state assembly and our state senate, and we have a democratic governor, and we still struggle to pass policies that will protect our climate, that will protect working people, that will expand health care and make sure that housing is affordable for everyone. We got too many people homeless. So, you know, I want to address all of those things. And the field right now is interesting. So I, I declared myself as a candidate in July. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was me and an incumbent running against each other, or he wasn't really running, but because he's the incumbent, he's the understood candidate. And a couple of weeks ago, he announced his retirement mm. after serving for 10 years. And in that moment, I became the front runner and the candidate. And now that it's an open seat, people are sniffing. They're like, hey, this smells like opportunity. And, you know, I think one of the things that running against an incumbent People can say, well, it's a statement, but I'm not running a campaign to make a statement. I'm running a campaign to win, to provide service. And I think it's a brave act. I didn't realize how brave it was, but I have learned. um, (laughs) Many people have told me that running against an incumbent, running against the incumbent for a state level office means that I'm running against the Democratic machine. The Speaker of the House has a big job, and part of that is protecting incumbents, Mm -hmm. whether they are doing an excellent job for the people or doing an excellent job for their donors, mansion, or doing an excellent job for other interests, incumbency is protected. And so I declared my campaign against an incumbent to benefit my community. And now there are other people who are interested but I'm I'm going to try my best to make sure that I'm not only the front runner today, but that I remain the person who has the community always first and remained the best candidate. You know, I'm a registered nurse. There are no other nurses currently serving in the California state legislature. And I don't think that it's uh, anything that we should worry about conflating. Nurses are the most trusted profession in this country and have been for decades. And it's because nurses save lives. And my work for the last 12 years has been touching people's lives, helping restore their humanity and their dignity when they were in crisis, and hopefully having some impact that can bring them joy and safety. And it is that which I wanna bring into my service in the assembly. I don't know how many other people can do that because I don't know any other nurses that are running. Um, I'm also running a corporate free campaign. Like I'm not taking money from Chevron or AT&T or PG&E. It's only about accountability to individuals. So those are the things that I think make me stand apart. And, you know, oh, there's a few more, actually, the Black Mm -hmm. Jew thing. Like there's no Black Jews. (laughs) There's, There's no openly gay Black folks that have ever been elected to the California state legislature. But I really want to be values first. It's not about identity. Uh, Though representation matters, the realness of a Black Jew matters because how often do we get a chance to really say, hey, we exist and look at me, I embody it for real. And my values are all about our community. Mm, I love that. You know, Jennifer, there's a lot that goes into running for office. And I'm hoping that you can shed some light for our listeners on what that's like. I mean, you are a first-time contender. And so 
What are you seeing? What are you learning? And what do you need support with? I appreciate that. I am learning so much. You're right. This is my first time running for office. Uh, The roles that I'm in right now are all appointed. And I appreciate that because it means somebody saw something. They recognize leadership. They recognize qualities. They recognize independent thought and value that. And running a campaign feels like I'm running a marathon that has no end. I start pretty early in the morning, go pretty late at night, um, am fundraising like crazy, and give thanks because more than 750 people since July have donated to the campaign, which is great because campaigns require money. Uh, You know, keeping it real, we have to make sure that we can reach voters. And this district that I'm running in, Assembly District 20, has 500,000 constituents. As much as I would like to believe that I can talk to each and every person individually, I might have to reach some people uh, with a piece of mail. Mm -hmm. I might have to reach some people on the radio or on a podcast or in social media. And some of that might need to be uh, what they call boosted. So the message gets out to everyone and that also costs money. And we have lots of volunteers who are already signed up to work with us, but we need more. And sometimes volunteers want water to drink or a slice of pizza to eat after knocking on doors and walking through the neighborhood. So that also requires um, money, you know, and I hate talking about money in the campaign, but it's so necessary. And here we are in America where it's like the richest country in the world and California, specifically the richest state in the world. But for someone like me, a black woman, a working person, a gay person, who doesn't have access to wealth, who isn't independently wealthy, for me to run means that I have to defy a lot of odds. And for me to reach 500,000 constituents, to win the vote in in an off-cycle year, midterm elections, everybody's talking about how hard it's going to be for Democrats. It's hard for me right now. Mm -hmm. So I do have to work longer hours. Black people always have to do it 10 times better. And I have to show up. So I'm showing up as best I can, corporate free. And I would love to have every single listener on this podcast hit up my website, jenniferesteen.com. Find me on socials on, at esteen, the number four CA, and sign up to be a volunteer. Become a donor. Join Team Esteen. We're trying to send the next generation of leadership to Sacramento so that we can create policy, move an agenda that spreads across America, Mm. that brings California to prominence for protecting voting rights, for protecting women and choice and abortion rights, for giving people universal health care right away. This is what we need to do. And this is what I'm here to do. I love that. Well, I personally am a proud donor to your campaign. And I want to just put out here on the show that um, we want to do a fundraising challenge for you. Hey. And so I will match all donations up to $1,000 <clears> to <throat> Jennifer Esteen. And so if you are compelled um, from what you heard here today and decide that you would like to donate to this campaign, which I really think you should, um, go ahead and do so. And I believe there's a little memo section and just put LDTN up in there so I can go ahead and match your donation Jennifer, we are coming up not only on the end of this interview, but we are also coming up on the end of the year. Thank Mm -hmm. the Lord, hallelujah, because 
Wow, 2021 really was just showing all kinds of things. I don't even want to say it was showing the ask. It was just showing all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if there is a big lesson that you learned this year or something that you changed your mind about that um, is going to impact and influence you as you move forward into 2022. Oh, yeah. 2021 has been a mother for you. So many lessons. And I think, honestly, the lesson of perseverance, I think, is where I land right now because it is not going to be easy to run a campaign that wins. And it is not going to be easy to make it through more COVID. I hate to say it, but COVID is not behind us. We are going to have to continue to adapt and act in ways that protect us, our families, and the people around us. Mm. Because COVID, you know, this country and vaccine hoarding, tax dollars that paid for research to create the vaccines, to create the test, and we still can't get worldwide access to vaccines. People are saying we need a fourth shot now here in America Mm. where other people haven't even gotten one. So let us persevere. Let us fight on. Let us continue organizing Because if we don't see COVID as a global ongoing phenomenon and treat it as such, we're going to continue having these backslides. And just like that, it's time for our weekly roundup of all the things lady just ain't gonna do this week. Number one, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin white mans all over the Build Back Better bill at the last hour. Now, all right, folks. So maybe you're not hearing this here first, but you did hear from Lady on multiple episodes of this show that Democrats have a real problem on their hands in Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. And I hate to brag, but if the shoe fits, motherfucker, lace that shit up. Now, after months of negotiation and, frankly, capitulation, Senator Joe Manchin backed out on his own commitment to vote for the Build Back Better bill if the human infrastructure components were separated from the physical infrastructure components of the bill. The Progressive Caucus, led by Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, raised the alarm months ago that this was not the way to go. Decoupling those pieces was not the way to go. And it turns out she and they were not wrong. Now, the cold part here is that this motherfucker never planned to pass this legislation. I mean, we already knew where his allegiances were. And here's a hint. It wasn't with the people of West Virginia or the millions of people suffering across the country. His allegiances were with the corporate donors that put the whole ass squeeze on him. So I've said it before, and I guess let me say it again. As long as Democrats refuse to use the superpowers that we gave them, we going to keep lose, 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 losing. The Republican Party, they are concerned about power. The Democratic Party is concerned with process, procedure, and decorum. And that's absolutely fucking ridiculous in a political landscape where we're in a fight for our lives, literally. This is not the political landscape of the 1990s and even the early 2000s where the Republican Party had a coherent, although wrong, assessment of how to best govern the country. This Republican Party is batshit crazy with very few exceptions. And so as such, act and plan accordingly. 
And you could maybe apply some of that act and plan accordingly to the Democratic Party, too. You know what I'm saying? Wasn't it Maya Angelou who said, when people show you who they are, believe them? Okay, ho, well, who's showing us who they are? He is, over and over again. Quit trying to make deals with these motherfuckers while hanging out on the yacht. Let me tell you something. Treat these people like the threats they are and do what you need to do with the power you have while you got the damn power. Particularly if you plan to keep that power because also the country is careening off a cliff and your decorum ain't gonna do shit about that. Now, I have said this shit a million times at this point, and I just want to put it on a track so that every single time these people make the same mistake over and over again, we can just play the track instead of me having to come back and run it back. But y'all don't hear me, though. And yes, I know Joe Manchin is a Democrat, but he act like a damn Republican. So I said what the fuck I said. Other things Lady just ain't going to do this week is the Omarion variant, Crip walking all over Christmas. God damn it. Well, folks, Rona's cousins are out here wreaking havoc. And the Omarion variant, yes, I said what I said, is Crip walking all over Christmas. This variant is incredibly contagious and it's extremely dangerous for those who are not vaccinated. For people who are vaccinated and boosted, the symptoms and the impact of the disease is generally more mild than the previous variant. But it is much more contagious and with the existence of more readily accessible testing, including home rapid tests, we are seeing a massive surge in cases across the country. My loves, I have had several people in my close circle test positive for Omarion. So please, if you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Look, more than 90% of people who are on ventilators right now with the Rona are unvaccinated. That's a whole last fact. You can generally access rapid testing in pharmacies. Lots of folks have been clearing them out because of the holidays, but you can still get them. Trust me. Wash your hands with soap and water a lot, like a lot, a lot. Try and stay your ass out of indoor venues with lots of people. But if you are going to be indoors with others, get tested, mask up and quit fucking playing. And if you're feeling any symptoms at all, stay home, help stop the spread and have some good fucking sense. Now, I know this is a time when we gather and you know ain't nobody like to be in the streets more than Lady do. But for real, take it down a notch, people. The Rona ain't no fucking joke and Omarion ain't really no different. Okay? Her cousins ain't come to play with you hoes. Other things that Lady does love this week, though. Number one, the guilty verdict in the Kim Potter trial. Now, Minnesota police officer Kim Potter was found guilty on two counts first-degree manslaughter, and second-degree manslaughter for the murder of Dante Wright. Potter shot Wright during a traffic stop in Minneapolis, allegedly mistaking her gun for a taser. This is the second case in a year in this Midwestern city that a police officer has been convicted in the tragic murder of a civilian and happens to be in the midst of a struggle in that city around what to do about unaccountable and corrupt policing. Now, you will recall that when George Floyd was murdered by Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, the community's leaders, including the mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Frey, did a lot of talking about police reform. And bigger than that, these motherfuckers committed to defunding the city's police department. However, as soon as the cameras left and the attention began to die down, city leaders, including Mayor Jacob Frey, began backtracking on these bold proposals to reimagine public safety. Now, this summer, an amendment to defund police was soundly defeated by voters in that city. 
But there is no mistake that the political landscape has changed and is changing, with a mostly white jury convicting Potter on both counts. Now, what should we take from this? Number one, policing needs a major overhaul in this country. This child's life was taken during a traffic stop, a traffic stop that was predicated on the fact that her partner thought Wright hesitated too long before taking a turn, and then also predicated on the fact that he had an air freshener hanging from his rearview mirror, and apparently air fresheners or anything hanging from your rearview is illegal, but like, what? And then when he was stopped, it was discovered that his tags were expired, which is an offense that the department had already decided they weren't going to enforce because it was during the fucking Rona and people weren't able to get to the DMV. So the big question here is like, why the fuck are we using police for this kind of shit anyways? Like, what was the utility of that? Second, this is an appropriate response for a crime that never should have happened in the first place. However, this is not justice. Justice looks like Black people being able to survive traffic stops. Justice looks like Dante Wright being alive to be a father to his child and a loved one to his family and friends. These trials are literally the lowest common denominator of what should be done, but a mere fraction of what must be done to ensure that we are indeed a humane and just society. So who is really one here? A now former police officer is in jail for murder. Dante Wright's family is without their loved one, a child is without their parent, and there are literally thousands more cases like this that we will never see. Congress refuses to take up police reform in any meaningful way. Minneapolis has lost its courage to do so, even though it's popular with the community there. And police continue to enact violence in our communities, and accountability is rare and fleeting. When are we going to have the courage to intervene? Other things that Lady does love this week is that winter solstice means the days are getting longer minute by minute. Now, y'all, I know I'd be in my feelings about the end of daylight savings time when the nights get longer and the days get shorter. So short, in fact, that it's dark by the late afternoon. But welcome to the winter solstice, the point where we begin to slowly transition from long nights and short days to long days and short nights. Something also feels different this time of year. I mean, not only is it Capricorn season, in the, which is the best sign in the Zodiac because we both end the year and we begin the year, so we are omnipotent, duh. But it's also the season that signals the end of the beginning and the beginning of the end. So enjoy this solstice season, my loved ones. Wrap up those decisions you gotta make, let go of those lingering issues and unfinished business, and make some plans for what's next. Other things on the list of lady loves this week is that Biden says that he now supports changing the Senate rules to get voting rights done. Okay, homie, well, it's about time, and lady can't help but think that this announcement that was made later in the week is tied to Senator Manchin white-manning all over Biden's signature legislation. But regardless, it's the right thing to do. And now I hope the president gets loud, loud in his campaign to amend the Senate rules to ensure voting rights. Now, like Lady said, this should have happened a long fucking time ago. But hey, Lady is feeling generous for Festivus. So let's just smile and say it's right on time. Now, call your senator and let them know that you agree with the president that the Senate rules must be amended to give people the gift of voting rights. And if you don't know who your senator is, visit our Electoral Action Center at www.blackfutureslab.org. Now, finally, dear listeners... An announcement for next week. 
We are taking your comments for next week's episode. We are nearing the end of the year in just about a week, which means it's time for another Lady Takes Your Question show. (laughs) Next week, we're opening up the mailbox and inviting you to send us your questions that you want Lady to take up and take on. Also, in the spirit of the upcoming new year, send us your intentions and your themes for 2022. Check out the socials to find out how you can bring your questions and set your intentions with Lady. Lady is looking forward to hearing from you, my dear ones. Jennifer, it was so great having you on the show today. Please tell the people again how they can find you on the socials and how they can get to your website so they can donate. Thank you, ma'am. It's been a pleasure being with you today. So my website is jenniferesteen.com. That's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R. My last name is Esteen, E like Edward, S like Sam, T like Tom, E-E-N like Nancy, dot com. And you can find me at on socials at Esteen, the number four C-A. That's going to get you on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Oh, this is lovely. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now that's it for Lady Don't Take No. But I will be back here every single Friday morning to accompany you where there's a pretty good chance you might be commuting again. Although with this Omarion crip walking all over the place, you might be back at home. Who the fuck knows? We keeping it lit and we're keeping an eye on it. We appreciate you joining us and let's keep the conversation going. Tell us what's on your mind. Tell us what you like and tell us what you ain't going to take no more of. On Twitter, we're at Lady Take. On Insta, we're at Lady Don't Take No Pod. And on Meta or whatever the fuck it's called now, we are Lady Don't Take No Podcast by Alicia Garza. We post ways to do something about things you hear on this show all over our social media. So if we got you amped up today, check out the socials to find out how you can take action. And let's give a shout out to our social media maven, Jahari Farrar, for making sure the people get what they need from our socials. As always, Jahari, we appreciate you. Please subscribe and write us a review and let the people know what you've heard here today. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our incredible theme is by Latirix. This pod is supported by the Black Futures Lab. And I'm your host, Alicia Garza. Remember, accountability is key. Justice is fleeting, but it don't have to be. Democrats need to focus on outcomes if they hope to maintain their majorities, honey. Winter solstice is here, and it's a perfect time to let old things go in order to make room for new beginnings. And send me your questions and intentions for the new year. We will do our best to read everything we get on the show next week. That's right. I said it. Because lady don't take no. Lady don't take no. She insists don't respect the sister. Walk around like a woman is. She won't speak less of something worse. Saying don't play. The girl take herself so seriously. People stare curiously. She got a natural way. Her hips sway furiously. Yeah, luxurious. Love y'all. Carries herself like the cutest most.